Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Thank you again for joining me on another episode. I'm very, very happy to have you here. And I'm wishing you all the most wonderful things. I hope that you are all well and that life, as always, is getting a little better. Somehow we can have hope and we must have hope. Now, one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves, especially in these times, and sometimes we tend to forget, and then our body, our mind, and our souls begin to send messages to us. And maybe it's in the form of pain, and maybe it's in the form of lacking sleep or lacking energy, and that is that we forget to look after ourselves. But these messages, whatever form that they come in, are signs. And they are signs that we need help, we need assistance, and that we really need to start focusing on our well-being. And that is why I am so happy to have today's guest with me, Sandra Kornblatt, because she is the developer and founder of Restful Insomnia. Because I know that a lot of people out there have asked me in my work about this really delicate subject that some of us go through a lot in life. And even so, we all need to have that help. Now, she is not only the founder of this wonderful company, but she is also a personal sleep coach. She's the author of four books on brain function, sleep, and energy. And she has developed the Restful Insomnia program, which she's going to tell us about. She is an experienced counselor, a coach. Uh, she does yoga, somatic therapy to name but a few things. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about her journey and the wonderful things that she does. So without further ado, welcome, Sandra. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm very happy to have you because you are such an interesting lady and there's so much there's so much to you that I can't wait for the listeners to be part of that journey with us today. Now, I know that you do a lot of things and you've been through a lot of things as well. So maybe you can begin by sharing with us a little bit about your inspirational story. Well, um, sure. Uh, the story started almost 20 years ago. Um, I got um, a case of chronic insomnia. So what that means is that I would fall asleep fine. People have chronic insomnia differently, but pretty much in the middle of the night, most nights I would wake up. And it was like, um, it was like it was 10 in the morning. It wasn't sort of feeling like, you know, middle of the night, wake up and go back to sleep. I was just alert. Um, and uh, I would end up staying awake for a couple hours and then falling back asleep before the alarm um, and was just not on the high level of being a good person. I mean, I, I was a good person, but not a great mom, not I was cranky, was testy, was exhausted, was couldn't think straight. And um, I tried everything. I did not, um, I'm sensitive to pharmaceuticals, but I tried 
oh, magnesium, melatonin, calcium, uh, eating tryptophan, um, exercising before eight o'clock, eating, um, stopping eating at eight o'clock, drinking a glass of wine, having no wine. I mean, just everything I could think of and nothing helped. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, anxiety and it wasn't PMS or perimenopause and it certainly wasn't jet lag. Um, and it was, it was, as you can imagine, it was just a um, not great time. So um, what ended up happening is I, um, I am a, 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 one of my values is really looking at myself and who I am in the world. People call it personal growth. And when I was having young kids, I didn't have any time to really make any of the things that I learned meaningful in my body. It was just, you know, I could go to therapy or go to a class and I understood it in my head. But as you know, that doesn't really make huge changes in your life. That's um, right. And I, yep. And mm, I realized mm. that I could do that in the middle of the night. You know, it's like, what else was I doing other than trying to sleep or getting up and reading or, um, you know, cleaning the kitchen because I was so frustrated. Um, and so I started doing some of the things that were interesting to me at the time. A lot of them really have to do with getting out of my head and into my body. Um, so some, I did some chakra work. I did try to get out of whatever anxiety I was in my head and just feeling the feelings. And what I found, and night yoga, a bunch of other stuff, that it moved me into a place of deep rest, that kind of place where you know you're in bed, but it doesn't matter, and you know you're having thoughts, but they don't matter, and emotions are like, yeah, there's some emotions. And I found a couple things from that. One is that in the morning, I had more energy. I had more presence. I was uh, able to think better. My health felt better. And over that next long bout of chronic insomnia, I looked at deep breast and found that it wasn't just me that was making these things up. Um, studies on deep breast have shown that it does help the whole level of your mind and body. Um, it also helped me sleep, um, especially when I wasn't chasing sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and so I looked at deep breast. It seemed really easy, but there was obstacles in the way. So I looked at how to move through those obstacles. So I create, that's how I created, long story, but that's how I created Restful Insomnia, which is how to move through the obstacles to rest so that you can renew yourself, welcome sleep, and not um, feel like you're so frustrated with limited options when, you're, when sleep won't come. And that's how you developed this unique program to yes. help people that are depleted from sleep. And because the thing that a lot of people, I know that you mentioned in some of the things that you've written is that people feel ashamed also mm -hmm. when they're not able to sleep and somehow they don't, I know a lot of people actually who have this problem and they have said to me that they don't want to discuss it with people because they feel they're somehow not good enough Mm -hmm. that they should be able to sleep and then it becomes a vicious circle of you should you should you should and that puts then intense pressure on somebody you said it right you said it right and people you know it's like most people could sleep when they were little it's like well what's wrong that you can't sleep when you're an adult it's like it's it's like you can close your eyes can't you why can't you sleep so and then there's a whole level of shame that people feel like they're unable to do what they want to do in life because they're so tired um, and the stress just increases. So it, it, it just, it's, it's a vortex, you know, where people are just desperate to sleep because they feel so bad the next day. And then that desperation actually chases away sleep and they don't know what else to do. I know and I've this, been there. And this is where everybody becomes stuck mm -hmm. because you don't really know. It's like you want to run, but you don't really know where to run to. Right. Right. Yep. And tell us a little bit about this method and this technique, how it works, Sandra. 
Well, what happened was that I, as I looked at the obstacles to, to rest, which um, uh, also happened to be the obstacles to sleep, I developed what I called the seven pathways to rest because we operate, um, we're not an on-off switch. People often go to bed and they kind of want to have that sleep switch like they have on their computer, you know, just press that beep, 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 I'm asleep. Yes. Um, and it doesn't work that way very often. Um, and so I, I, what I help people with and what I, I work on is um, your relationship, you know? So it's not an on-off switch. It's your relationship to sleep and rest, your relationship to your environment, um, honoring that, you know, a car alarm in your ear is going to keep you up, but there are other parts of your environment that you have. Um, you, can, you can find places to rest even when they're not perfect. Your relationship to your body, because we often don't, are pretty disconnected from our body. We just do the minimum that the body needs to maintain versus really understanding its wisdom and settling into it. And then your relationship to your mind, which keeps many people up, your relationship with your um, emotions, a uh, sense of a bigger picture, um, and, um, uh, and your sense of yourself in the world. All of those things make a difference in terms of how you're able to settle into who you are, settle into the world of night and letting go um, and be able to really have that, that renewal um, of not just your body, but of just your whole mind and your emotions and really who you are. And that's so important. And also one thing that I notice when people talk to me about this, and I have family members who suffer with insomnia, is that they begin to fear the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because I love the night, I have to say, because of this peacefulness about it. But I realize also that a lot of people don't like this darkness and the sleep part of it that comes and the not sleep part of it. And it's this actual real fear mm -hmm. that they're not going to be able to sleep. And it creates a huge, huge anxiety. So how do people get over that? I mean, I know it's a process and I know mm -hmm. it's a technique, but the first step to actually admitting that we may be afraid of something, I suppose we're halfway there in actually dealing with it. But how do you deal with this night fear in a way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. And I think there's several layers of it. I think that people are um, afraid of the frustration with sleep. I'm really curious about, you know, little kids are often scared of going to sleep, you know, the monster under the mm. bed. Yes. And I'm, I'm just really actually caught me as a just, I've started to think in the last couple of days about what is that? You know, what is the fear of really letting go? Um, and I think that I work with people and I talk a lot about layers of reality, you know, that there's not just one thing that's correct, but that helping people find parts of themselves that are ready to let go or using their imaginations and start starting to develop that and honoring the fear. You know, it's not a matter of, you know, the right way is to not have fear because fear is a language, you know, it's our emotional language about something that we need to pay attention to. It probably is not the story that we create around the fear, but there's something that we want to stay alert to. Um, and so really, um, there was, there was a, a client I had who had a lot of fear of the night and mm. um, he had no idea how to rest. So we were talking about this and I, I asked people their hobbies and their interests because I really like to use that to create personal tools that help them. And he happened to be into, and it was a little embarrassed about being really into Dungeons and Dragons. But oh, he had I his own, Yes, he had <laughs> his own characters and all of these things. And so I said, okay, so you don't know how to rest, but you have this huge mental, emotional connection with these characters. Ask them how they rest, not how they sleep, but how do they create safety? You know, and so he started using that imagination to, what a um, good idea. What yeah. A good idea. Yeah. yeah. To help him sort of 
figure out what he resonated with. You know, how could he, if, if this, if this dwarf giant could rest, you know, in this tree or whatever, I'm making all of that up, you know, it's <laughs> like, well, does he need an image of a tree to rest, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he, 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 through our work together, he created ways that for him helped him start to befriend the night. That's a very good way to put it. And actually, I really like what you said. I've never heard it um, being told in that way. It's the language of fear. Mm -hmm. And fear comes to tell us something usually. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's something that we don't want to hear, but it's something that we need to address. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because we tell stories that may not be true about what the fear really is. And that's for me where the somatic work comes in, the being in the body, you know, it's sort of, okay. it's, it's just feeling, feeling the body feel fear. And it's not very much fun because I don't know about you, but I've grown up very anxious. And I tell you, I'd much rather distract from really sitting and feeling my stomach sort of turn and those things. But when I sit with what's going on in my body and pull in a resource in my mind to help me sit with it, then the fear starts to abate and I get to understand what's, you know, what's old, you know, because there's fears that I had when I was little that, you know, that sometimes, a lots of times that's really what needs to be resolved rather than what's in the present time. So do you think that it's somehow the anxiety that we may have as adults is something that is unresolved from our childhood that can lead to these moments of being overwhelmed? I think it, I think it contributes. I mean, the world is a mm. tough world. It's always been a tough world. But yeah. um, as adults, it's, you know, it's like there's a lot to manage. Um, but if but when there are old unresolved traumas, it makes it harder to face what has to be faced because there's just a lot, um, a lot in the body. You know, there's not mm. a lot of room in the body because the body's been holding on for so long to manage the current situation because it's just, you know, it's just a, a, a the image I'm getting is a root of a tree that's not getting the nourishment because it's filled with anxiety. So it's sort of, you know, cleaning out the old stuff so that you can find the joy in the moment and have more resources to deal with whatever's happening. Now, I know that you say reading very, very interesting and very knowledgeable lady, I have to say, Sandra, I, I'm really impressed. And, but you said that Sleep is a process that starts with rest. Mm -hmm. It does. And how do you distinguish between rest and sleep? Because people don't usually. They just mm -hmm. focus on the sleep and they have not a clue that it actually comes with being at rest. Right. So, you know, one of the worst things to do for sleep is chase well, sleep. Because sleep is about letting go. And when you want to sleep, you have a goal. You have a goal of, um, you know, you have the goal of letting go, but that means your body and your emotions and your mind are monitoring whether you're asleep or not. And so I don't know if you've ever had this, but I know I've had where it's like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, I'm falling asleep. And I think, great, I'm falling asleep. And it's like an alarm clock. It's like, well, now I'm awake. <laughs> am I asleep yet? How much asleep am I? Yes, yes. And let's so, talk about the last 15 years of everything that went wrong in your life. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So what happens is, though, that when you look at the fact that you, can, you can't create sleep, but you can support rest, when you support rest, you understand that it's a process. You know that you might move to rest and then back out of it, but you're, you're having that, that tide of rest. You know, the waves are coming in. Um, and so you're not, um, you're not worried about it being on or off because you know you're moving in that direction. And there's things like, you know, um, I go to bed and my mind is going and I think, you know, I, I sometimes think, why aren't I asleep? And then it's like, Sandra, 
you know how to do this. It's like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, and so then I start doing the things. And I know that when my mind stops making sense, it's like, great. You know, my, my, mm. my, my mind is letting go. And I'm awake again. And it's like, that's okay. My mind is starting to let go. I'll go back you know, and, and, um, and I believe in even nanoseconds of rest, that when you start to have a nanosecond of rest, that they start to come closer together. And then they turn into moments and minutes. And then you're not paying attention and it turns into sleep when you're not looking. This is very true. I don't know if you've ever found this, Sandra, but when you're an aeroplane, or you know where you're actually not in control of the driving or the flying right. or whatever it is and you you're so tired and you actually fall asleep and it may only be for 10 minutes mm -hmm. but it is enough actually to make you feel rested mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yep. that's when I sort of thought to myself well look you know it I have, to, I have to share this with you. I'm not a great lover of sleep. I mm. never have been, even as a child. And I don't know why that is, but it's like, it's not my favorite thing. I know it happens and it has to happen. So for me, when people say to me, I have a friend and he's always saying to me, well, how many hours have you slept? And I say, well, I don't know, four. Well, that's not enough. You should be sleeping 10 hours. And, you know... But I think everyone is individual in that. Everybody is definitely individual. But you're the expert. Tell me, is, is there a good amount of sleep, as in how many hours? Or is it the quality more? Oh, that's a big question. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think if you look at sleep councils, most of them say seven to nine hours. Um, and you go through sleep cycles. Um, where you're, you know, you go through the deep, you know, the, the lighter phases and move into the deeper phases of brain, um, brain waves. And then oftentimes there's a lighter phase and people oftentimes feel like when they're in that lighter phase and they woke up, they're like, oh darn, I'm, I'm awake again. I'm, I'm not going to fall asleep, but it's a natural process to go back into those phases again. So each phase lasts, you know, 90 minutes about everybody's different um, and they are um, really useful to your body um, and the and the more you can do them they cl they clean out um, plaque and little other things in the brain so they reduce the chances of um, Alzheimer's and they um, help your your sense of uh, uh, control and uh, what happens oftentimes when people don't get enough sleep is they can't say no to addictive qualities you know like eating and other things those sleep helps you digest your food um, so all of those things are great and everybody's individual you know mm, and I think nice. that um, I think that really sleep is a, a, a mystery you know they know some things about it but it's um, it's a, kind of amazing you know, that yeah. we can turn our brains off and our brains are doing these amazing things that we don't really know about and our body is doing amazing things. But, um, you know, I, I, I oftentimes, um, I'm really careful about the right thing because the right thing turns into a should. And I think should is one of the most dangerous concepts because it's basically telling you, you should be something else. And it keeps people from really tuning into who they are. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I think that a lot of the sleep hygiene tips are great, but when you look at them as help rather than should, they become more integrated and more part of who you are. So, um, you know, I think that if you are happy with how you're sleeping, who am I to say? Um, yes, and yeah. and it's also you know it also might be curious for you to notice if there's more creativity or a different sense of yourself on the nights that, you know the days after you sleep more you know so it's for you to decide how you are responding to your the amount of sleep you have so it's a sense of really an awareness of self mm -hmm. that is key in that and yes. as you were talking before about the body and it's also an awareness of the body it's mm -hmm. an awareness of being in fact of being alive of breathing of mm -hmm. 
being that we are, as you said, these multidimensional beings in effect. Yes. And I wanted to ask you about this actually, that um, a few people that I know, I don't know whether you've touched upon this or you know about this, is sleep paralysis. Mm. Do you, what is that? Because so many people have asked me about that. What have they asked you? What, what's been there? Well, this is it. I said that, I, I said that you're coming on and uh, I said <laughs> it to a couple of clients. Yeah. This, because you've become like a star now. Well, can you ask her this? I can't, I can't ask her all these questions. You know, I'm going to get all the information and you can contact her, but it's been very interesting. And what they're saying is that I have a friend and what happens to her is that she's laying down in the darkness and then all of a sudden she's aware that she's awake, but she cannot move mm. her body. So it's like an out of body experience. Right. right. And yeah. she said, it's very scary because it's, she can see the body, but she can't move the body or nor mm -hmm. jump literally back into the body. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like that's a multi-layer issue. I mean, I know that I would have, not for a long time, but I used to have scary dreams where someone was attacking me and I couldn't talk, I couldn't move. So there is, there is that process where your body does let go and that, that connection to your brain and your body does get more soft or less direct but um you know i have not talked to people who've had that in terms of the out of body sense but i would suggest that she look at bringing in a resource to connect you know finding some part of her body she can connect to and sort of breaking it down into smaller pieces but i'm not an expert in that that area okay so what bring a part you mean a part of the body like you know, um, a hand or a hand or, a or her toes or yes, you know, and, just find, mm -hmm. find a path back, you know, or imagine a superhero coming and helping her or, you know, an angel or, you know, mm -hmm. just, um, mm -hmm. you know, just to, 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 and to remember that this has happened before and she's come back to it, you know, I, but I, I it sounds really scary. I mean, I totally understand that. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you because it's something that I hear a lot and people mm. are afraid to speak about it. But that's another reason I think that a lot of people, it, it's this again, this connotation with the darkness and with the unknown mm. and the fact that really, you know, depending on what everyone's belief is, but, you know, there is a higher power, however people like to call it God or, you, you know, the universe, but mm -hmm. there is a higher power that is taking care of things, you know, we're not here just on our own, you know, mm -hmm. accord and, you know, the heart is beating and everything is working and the blood is flowing. So the awareness is the key, I think. Yes. And that's one of the, one of my pathways to rest is your connection with something bigger, a bigger purpose. Uh, you know, it's connection with nature, you know, it's just the fact that we're exhaling and the trees are, you were inhaling with the trees exhale, you know, it's just, um, uh, and, and feeling connected to the community. But I know that for people who, when they can't sleep at night, that feeling of isolation is huge, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so it is remembering and having a deeper connection to spirit, nature, community, you know, whatever it is that reminds you that you're, um, you're not alone in the world. Um, and, um, and it takes practice to remember that, but you know, uh, there is a connection for that, for all the clients that I worked with and it's called different things. Right. Because I know that, so your seven pathways to rest, mm -hmm. that is a method and a technique that you use. Now you do one-to-one, -one with clients. Yes, I do. And, you know, the seven pathways to rest are mm. really for people dealing with sleep issues. And I also work with people on issues of stress and shame that may or may not be related to sleep. But we often use some of the same pathways, you know, it's sort of like, what is your relationship to your body? What is your relationship to your mind and your emotions? So that people have, um, some ways to not be as overwhelmed or identified with the, the uh, concerns that they have that, you know, I also honor come from good causes. 
um, and can be, we can change our relationship to those as well. Very true. Now, the seven pathways to rest, how long does that take? Or is that entirely upon the individual? So when I start to work with people on um, sleep issues, I, um, we have a nine-session um, initial working relationship so that that helps me really do a strong intake about what's going on, going through mm -hmm. the seven pathways, and, and coming up with a plan for dealing with the next, um, the next steps. And I continue to work with some people after that, and some people just want the tools, um, and they feel you know, that they're focused mostly on the sleep and rest. Um, so that's, that's the initial place that I usually work with people in terms of their, who are struggling with sleep issues. And you can, you can do it with anyone, you know, technology being as it is now, you can work, you work with everybody and anyone wherever they are on, in the world. Yes. And, you know, what I offer is a free consultation to see if it's a fit. Um, uh, I was, somebody called who was desperate, but he had um, some particular kind of sleep disorder that um, he had, uh, was so desperate for sleep that rest didn't didn't strike him at all with any interest. So it was like I referred him to a sleep doctor and he's, he's moving forward on that level. So um, a free consultation is really useful to see if it's a good, it's a, it's a kind of an assessment, you know, to see if, see if it's a match and makes sense. And I think it's a great gift really for people. That's something that we'll have to say at the end of the show so that they know where to come to find you. Because to have someone out there like yourself, Sandra, is a godsend, really. Because so <laughs> many people, no, really, so many people are suffering in this way. Yeah. And it's difficult to find somebody who knows their stuff, as, as we say in the UK, who knows their stuff. Now, what do you think, uh, what do you feel that makes you different and unique, that's added to the success mm. of what you're doing? Um, you know, I, what, what comes to mind is when I was little, I wanted to be a children's librarian. And I think oh. that I've always been very curious. It's, you know, curious and also liking to help people, you know, just sort of giving people ideas. And I, I love to read as a child. Um, uh, and so I think there's that level. I think that I have come from, a a uh, family that was great uh, physically, but um, was a lot of things were lacking emotionally. And I've always really valued um, uh, making things different for myself. So I have done a lot of personal work over the last decades. Um, and I've incorporated a lot of that um, that's worked into how I share with people, you know, the, um, I've studied many things, but also experienced what's worked. Um, and I come from a place of doing this because, um, you know, I grew up incredibly anxious. Um, and, you know, I still can uh, have those spirals myself, you know, but um, I know how to pull myself out of them. Um, and I really understand the reality um, of how truthful anxiety feels um, and then later you're like, why, where was my, where was I? You know, why, why did I believe that, you know, this would happen? But, yeah. but I really understand how that feels truthful. Um, and, yeah. um, and sometimes it's reflected in reality, but oftentimes we take what's reflected in reality and make it into a different story that's based on our personal traumas as well as world traumas. And it's, it's hard to get out of. Um, but um, I feel like I've learned, uh, I've learned tools and I can help people because um, I also see that people are individuals, you know, I don't feel like there's a one way that everybody needs to do something. Um, and so I think people feel seen from that and I'm happy that I can provide that. And I suppose it's going through all of your development personal development whatever that was whether that be okay. you know the yoga the I saw that you did somatic experience as well 
Um, I've, what is I've, that? Um, so there's there's um, a, a large um, interest and many people, Peter Levine and many, many people are really looking at not just the verbal um, talk therapy, but really what goes on in the body. Um, the body really tells no lies. Um, and so finding people who can pay attention to um, to what your physical experience is can help you both go deeper, but also have that sense of kindness to yourself. So you're not um, you're not forcing anything out of your your experience. You're really allowing your body to release what it needs to to develop stronger skills and to create other resources in your body so that you can handle things differently. Um, but really the body doesn't, the body knows its own truth and it needs to be honored. Yes. And this is, I think, one of the things that we all forget how to do mm -hmm. is to honor our bodies and our minds and our souls. Because sometimes, you know, Sandra, we don't have the skills all the tools to do it and we need we need help from people yeah, from other yeah. people and we shouldn't be ashamed to ask for help no and we're all doing our best mm. but we live in a very very mind-centered culture and we really have been disconnected somebody said and i think the line that makes sense is we often see our bodies as our servants to our minds yes. and we give them the minimum wage you know the minimum amount of exercise they need and the minimum healthy foods they need to keep our minds going but we're really in some ways our bodies are um sitting in the sidecar you know for, for how our minds are <laughs> yes. yes and you know and people are really trying their best i just really honor you know, that people are, but really when you know that um, help is useful, it gives you a different perspective. It helps you see the patterns that you're in that um, you may have been blind to. Um, and, and then you can um, have tools that can help you really look at things in a, and, and manage things in a different way. Very in true. These times, in these times, these yes, times are pretty especially. stressful these are very stressful times and it's finding a way to integrate all these things that will help us to honor ourselves and to give time to ourselves and to, to look after ourselves because I think none of us really, I think it's very, very rare. And I also speak for myself. How much do we really honor ourselves and value ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, in this, you know, capitalistic competitive culture, it's like, mm. it's, it's never enough. I mean, you look at, you look at Hollywood or, or movie stars who are bulimic and, you know, are because they're mm. feeling like it's, you know, it's never enough. Um, mm. And so it's another important level of reality to really mm. honor that we have all done our best and there's more we can do. There's always more, isn't there? But in a kind way. Mm. I mean, it's mm. it's more it's more in terms of um, we can go deeper. We can be kinder. We can connect with spirit more deeply. We can um, we can feel connected to other people more deeply. I mean, you know, the 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 line of enlightenment for Buddhism is you know before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment yeah. chop wood carry water. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's just there's we we live in so many layers. It's not an on or off thing that we can find, you know, um, we can find ways that we've uh, seen something that we've had a difficult time with and we're kind to, which gives us so much joy. And then we can find something else that we've sort of put aside that we can, you know, embrace with another level of care or ourselves with another level of care. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're fluid processing beings. That's what we are. We're not a, a thing. We are a process. And, um, and so the more isn't about showing somebody that we're better it's more about being more settled in who we are and kinder to ourselves very very wise words very wise and very deep and i think we beat ourselves up more than anyone else could because mm -hmm. 
in this world of technology and this world of materialism, we somehow have made ourselves to be robotic. And this is the on-off switch. You know, I want to sleep. I want to do this. It must happen immediately. But we are infinite beings on a journey towards eternity. We can't demand that of ourselves. We're not machines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's important to look at what comes. comes. I, I spent the last year really looking at shame um, mm-hmm. and how it was running me and uh, looking at some somatic and relational work um, in terms of understanding what happened. And, um, you know, I think for me, the trauma was on one hand, my particular parents um, who were unable to um, really see me as a person, um, a certain level of narcissism um, was uh, part of their uh, experience and, and their focus. Um, and alcohol and rage, you know, it's like everything. And But what I also realized is that the way that we have individualized families um, makes it really hard for just about any parents to do what needs to be done. I think what we ask for, of parents is insane to um, have just two grown-ups taking care of kids um, because everybody hits a place, grown-ups, of, um, of not being able to function at 100%. Um, and in places where there's extended families or where there's um, uh, cultures of grown-ups taking care of kids, if your mom um, is, gets sick or you know, has some financial issues or um, uh, has a bad day, you have somebody, another grown-up who can be there for you, which mm. reflects to you that you are a valuable person. So our expectation that any two parents can handle this, no wonder people hate their parents because the expectation is just, is, um, is just impossible, really, um, to be able to, to, for two parents to be able to do everything themselves is just, um, is huge. So I just honor that, that shame happens for a lot of cultural reasons as well as personal reasons. And there's a lot of shame because there's a lot of things that we would do, I'm sure, if we were not embarrassed, if mm-hmm. we didn't feel shame, mm-hmm. and you know, if we didn't feel stupid. You know, I'm not doing right. that because I feel stupid and people are going to laugh at me. Or actually, that feeling of shame is, for example, so huge. I, I, when I was young, I had a lisp. So I couldn't pronounce my S's and very quickly they put me into speech therapy mm-hmm. and it took me five years, Sandra, to actually get it, you know, yeah. because I just didn't understand what was wrong firstly in what I was doing because to mm-hmm. me it was completely normal. And it took me five years to actually not think about this list, but what it did in that time, it made me feel very vulnerable and mm-hmm. not like everybody else and right. you know well I can't do this I don't want to talk I don't want to talk because people are going to laugh so I'm, I won't bother doing it you know I'm not going to be amongst people because they'll laugh so I just, I just will stay at home I don't want to play with the children so this intense core of shame is so deep in so many yeah. of us yeah, I think it's. I think that that's really true. I think that um, we have a bunch of children who are also not, because they don't have the sort of variety of resources. They're also caught into the right and wrong way of doing things, and they, um, you know, hurt other children um, to try to feel like they're right and somebody else is wrong. Um, and um and yeah i mean i think that there's it's just interesting to me to look at you know where is that trauma in the body um how can you go back um in time as it were and bring a resource that allowed you to feel more um kind to yourself in hindsight because i i think that i think that we can um go back and and create kindness when there wasn't kindness in our lives um, and that we can carry that with us 
um, that can heal the, the reverberations that happen from, say, that lisp or from not being paid attention to or being uh, bullied by other people, you know, um, uh, we, can, we can create that healing backwards as well. Yes, and somehow, I know we can't go back in time, but what we certainly can do is that, you know, everything in our body has a memory. Mm-hmm. And every part of our body that we touch has a memory. And I have a friend who does a therapy and it is basically talking to the body and mm-hmm. is being mm-hmm. kind to the body. And, it, you know, I, I believe in these things because I've seen them work and I've gone through many different therapies, met, met many different teachers, you know, across the world. And, you know, I'm very interested in this sort of thing. And one of the things that he says to me is whatever, because I, I, have, I have chronic pain and that comes from an old injury. And he said to me, well, what you need to do is you need to love that pain. And I said, what do you mean? I mean, I've made friends with it a long time ago because I realized that if I make friends with pain, it actually does help me in life because it tells me what I'm doing too much. Mm-hmm. It's my barometer, in fact. So he said, I need you to talk to your pain. So he said, put your hand on the pain and actually say, you know, I'm really sorry for not listening to you. I said, are you mad? You know, <laughs> I was having one of, you know, one of those moments where I was really in a lot of pain. And no, he said, I'm not saying sorry. I said, I'm not, I'm not saying sorry. I'm not saying sorry. I said, it should say sorry to me. And he said, well, why? And I said, well, I don't know. But, you know, we had this whole thing and I was really upset with him then, you know. And then I did it, you know. Actually, it took a few weeks for me to accept to do that. And I did it and it was very painful. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. And you know what? Although I am a chronic pain sufferer, it eased. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can hear the voice of the body and it said, well, you need to really be loving yourself more that I don't need to be this intense to remind you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that That's was... a great story. That is a great story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we look at, I, I, I help people also with pain. Pain is a real, oh, okay. I, I just really, um, you know, I'm very, how do I describe it? I don't want to say, you can change your relationship with pain and you can sleep because pain can keep people awake. And I just honor that, but you can also change your relationship. You can change your relationship so you can rest and that helps you sleep. But I think that people look at pain as a thing, a thing they need to get away, uh, you know, get rid of, but pain Mm -hmm. is a, a verb. It's a process. And the more you understand and can feel and bring kind resources to the pain, the less you are in that fight mode with it. You know, it's like where you can sort of find ways to live together as best you can. Um, mm-hmm. And pain, you know, I, I just get back to honoring pain is different for different people. So I'm, I don't have that sort of magic switch, but I do have that place of helping people lessen the intensity of their hatred of pain, which it sounds like what you did um, with that, that gentleman. Yes. It sounds, it's a great mm. story. It's a yeah. great story. And it was, you know, I've made friends and I said, well, I've been friends with it and I've tolerated it for years. You know, what do you want me to do now? And he said, well, and we had, we actually, I said, I said to him, and he, because he's such a good therapist, but he's also my friend, I said, I'm not talking to you. And he said, what do you mean you're not talking to me? I said, I'm not talking to you anymore. He said, why? And I said, because I don't want to. You've upset me now, and that's that. And so we didn't talk, you know, for about a week. And I thought, Mimi, you're mad. What are you doing? But literally, you know, when he hit the point, Yep. Hit the point. Yep. And, and and your resistance was like I'm yes. in resistance I'm listening to the resistance right now you know it yes. sounds like it was really good work yeah yeah and this again you know because we're constantly learning aren't we and mm-hmm. we're learning about ourselves and I remember walking down the road one day and I, I, I was living abroad and it was it was in a village actually and something had happened and I was talking to myself you know as you do and I said 
I really don't know anything anymore in life. Anymore, I don't know anything. And then I, I remember my heart saying to me, you never really knew anything anyway. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then yep. that was very humbling, you know. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Those moments in life yeah. that you just slap you and you just think, I'll just carry on then, you know. Yes, I know. <laughs> move on. Move yep. on. Move on. Move on. Move on. Yeah. Move on. And um, yeah, so always, always there's so much to learn. And especially, I, I suppose, with the insomnia, it's breaking through all of those barriers in a way that somehow it's, it's hiding something. I always feel that sometimes, you know, when we don't want to face something, it becomes huge in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that is something also that you deal with in your practice. Yeah. I mean, I trust that people will unfold as they need to unfold, you know? Um, and so um, it's, it's a process, you know, I, I'm working on stuff now that I wish I'd worked on before, but I couldn't have. You know, I, mm. I, I wasn't I wasn't there. And I also think the other thing that I help uh, look at uh, helping people with is is dealing with current anxieties. You know, how do you live? Um, I did I did a video series. Um, uh, uh, finding rest in turbulent times, um, because, you know, the the current situations and the fears we have can really start to play a number on ourselves. Mm. Um, and you know, how do you, how do you manage, um, uh, you know, at this that time that I wrote it, it was after, um, after the previous election in the U S but, you know, how do you manage lockdown and, and racial anxiety and, 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 you know, racism and, you know, fear about toilet paper, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. I still don't know what, what the hell that was all about, really. I know. <laughs> but hey, I you know, know. Right, right. You know, I'm beginning you have enough- to wonder if it, if, it was, if it was real, but then I saw so many people carrying toilet paper, I, ha- I had to believe it in the end. Yeah, it was sort of mm. like, if you, the more rolls of toilet paper you have, the safer you'll be. I don't know. Yes. But, you know, I, but, but, those, but those things, you know, you can find ways to rest even mm. when you're, um, when you have those concerns, because um, uh, those concerns are, are both real and unreal at the same time. You know, it's sort of like, you know, if I sit and worry about what might happen in the future, my heart rate goes up, my digestive system goes off, my um, blood pressure goes up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so honoring that that happens, but also knowing that right now in the moment, what else is happening? Well, my house is fine. You know, I have plenty of toilet paper. I have plenty of, you know, <laughs> beans and, you know, other kinds of things. So, um, you know, just being able to understand that, that, and again, I get back to talking about layers, you know, it's sort of like finding the multiple layers of reality rather than feeling like one truth is the only truth there is. Um, and being able to bring in other resources when you're feeling stressed. And don't be ashamed to ask for help. Nope. And, you know, I think that um, in different cultures, asking for help has different meanings to it. Mm. You know, I mean, the whole British stiff upper lip, I don't know, you know, where that is as well in terms of people feeling like they need to do it themselves. Absolutely, um, they do. Yes. Yep. Very yep, much. But, very much so. Yeah. But we, you know, we are... It, it's clear, even with the, the coronavirus, is that we are all one organism of human beings. You know, we are, we are, we, we, we aren't separate from each other. You know, you go over to somebody without a mask who coughs on you, it's like, you know, you're, you're exposing yourself and getting help from other people is the other part of making the organism work, the organism mm. of human beings. Yes, and, and even though we for a long time now, for several months, we've been separated from people that we love and and the usual people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. Somehow, I don't know about you, Sandra, but I have actually felt more connected with humanity Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. I felt when everything was open. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because we just sort of took things for granted and didn't Mm. see 
you know, what was there. And, um, and it's, it's so clear that everybody in this whole, in this whole world is at risk um, for the coronavirus and everyone can also minimize the risk. Um, and we are all connected um, very much we are. so. We are very much so. And I think that this is a, a time of great awakening and um, gently, gently, but even so it's happening and somehow whether we like it or not or whether we're comfortable with it or not it's happening regardless because it needs to happen and that's something that I wanted to ask you is how are you overcoming you know challenges both personal and professional in these times how are you keeping sane how am I keeping sane what a great yes. question <laughs> Um, partly it's my body, you know, I, there's, mm. I've been doing a dance, just an online dance, which used to be in person, uh, once a week where we just get together and dance for 90 minutes. Well, I'm walking, lovely. I'm gardening. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try to, um, um, be careful about a zoom in or zoom out. There is a certain feeling about looking in the near future that is like, I don't know what's going on. My sense of uncertainty is huge and I, my eyes can get big and my heart rate. Um, and so I either look at the tasks at hand, what do I need to do now? So zooming in or looking at the ecological time that how long we've been on the earth and, um, and uh, the, the benefit to climate issues with people staying in and just um, just looking at the bigger picture or the more detailed picture um, because looking at the unknowns doesn't serve me um, mm -hmm. at all you know because there's I can't I mean because the issue that happens is that our minds bless our minds they like to solve problems and control things yes. um, and um, and 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 they're very useful I'm glad we have them um, yes. but when they feel like they're the only thing running the show um, they just create more problems to solve. And there is a place of the unknowns where my mind cannot figure it out. And my mind starts panicking, you know, it's like, well, do I need, do I, you know, I mean, you know, do I need to create the garden of the world? Do I need to, you know, do I need to move to, you know, New Zealand? Do I, you know, it's like, and, and I can't, I can't do any of those things. You know, mm. it's like, I can't, but my mind is like, well, you have to, it's like, but I can't. So I don't go there. You know, it's like, I just, I have to refocus myself on what, you know, a little bit of the serenity prayer, what I can control. Mm. Um, mm. And it takes practice, you know, and it takes being kind when I go to the places of anxiety. When I'm there, I say to myself, I'm panicked and I'm okay. You know, it's just remembering that the panic is not the only reality. And so then it helps me get back to the, I'm okay. Right now, I'm okay. And that feelings are fleeting mm -hmm. in that sense. And just as they came, they can go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it's yep. good advice. It's good advice. And they feel like reality because our body's involved in it. But... Mm they're an incomplete reality so yeah it's true very very true now Sandra what inspires you who inspires mm. you mm. that's a good question what inspires me um you know I get inspired when I make a change in my life that was bugging me or I feel like I have that power inside of me um I am inspired by um many people who are doing the work in the world for um for climate justice and for racial justice who are taking uh courage in terms of saying what's going on um and the names are slipping my mind at the moment i should have written them down but unfortunately don't worry. <laughs> no no don't worry don't worry yeah um and um, um for people who are really willing to create kind communities, you know, to support each other, to, um, to really look at making changes in the world and in themselves, um, you know, to being willing to be present um, to what is. So I, you know, the Dalai Lama is definitely the top of my, you know, 
spiritual list in terms of kindness, but um, um, there are many, and I'm just sad that I can't remember the names at the moment, but it doesn't matter. It, 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 <laughs> it, it's not important to remember the name. What it's important is to remember that feeling and right. what, and the peace that it brings to you. Yeah. Now, yeah. coming to a close, what is the most fulfilling part of your life, would you say? Mm. I love working with clients. I just have to say, it just, um, people come to me and um, they feel almost at the end of their rope or the at, you know, and we look at the things that they've been doing to manage so far and to shift that sense of people having of desperation, either with their sleep issues or with shame or with their stress. So they feel like they have resources and feeling their hearts open. Um, it's just, um, it's, it gives me an incredible amount of delight. Would you say this this was the calling of your life? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think mm. so. Yep. Yep. You know, I'm just, I feel very blessed that I can, that I was able to develop something, um, which I don't take credit for. Um, I feel like it was um, given to me and that I can share it. Um, and um, and that the I've been able to do the work I've done on myself so that I can be more present with people with where they are um all of those things feel like a blessing as it were and i think that you know unless you have been through something i'm, I'm really really great believer in this unless you have been through that for example with yourself with the insomnia and you've actually felt that the, the reality of that you know the best masters are the ones who have gone through that fire who've gone through that themselves because they then can have this intrinsic compassion towards mm -hmm. um, people that are going through it and are the greatest healers. Well, I know what people are going through. I um, hope that I'm a good healer um, and um, I um, am glad to be able to help when I can. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm sure I'm, I, I would love to talk to you more really and I'm sure we will because there's so many things that you've brought up there that are hugely interesting and fascinating for me. Now, Sandra, finally, if you could give words of wisdom and some advice to people in these times that you feel that would be benefit, what would you say? I think it's um, using the times that we're having to make the most change you can. So, you know, to make the change not only in the world, but making change in yourself, to be able to um, feel connected to the earth and to nature and to spirit, whatever, whatever you use, to, um, to be the kindest you can, uh, kinder than you think you need to be, um, which opens your heart. Um, and to find, you know, connections and ways um, that you can trust your ability to um, live the kind of life that you want to live, even if you don't have control over everything. Because you do have control over your relationship to what goes on. That is wonderful, actually. That is, wow. I saw a photograph, I don't know whether you saw this, and I can't remember now who it was that said it and it was a gentleman i don't know if you've seen this photograph and it was i think it was syria and it was the war and i think he was smoking a pipe and everything around him had crushed everything it was rubble but yet he had the record player on and i thought wow you know it doesn't matter what's going on around you so much as to what's going on inside of you. Yes, I think that I think that we are part of the world, and the more we can change the world, you know, with with what's in our heart in a kind way, mm. also yeah. makes a difference. You know, helping people, um, you know, creating communities, um, standing up for racial justice and for climate justice, um, but again, doing it from a place of um, 
um, that your intention is to be there and to be present as much as possible. And honoring the fact that our minds and our bodies don't want to be present, you know. So again, being kind with being kind with who we are, even when we're not who we want to be. Oh, because that, that, that comes up <laughs> yes. with all of us. It does indeed. It does indeed. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's been beautiful. Really, it has. And I really, really enjoyed having you on today. You're a great interviewer and I love this conversation. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure and thank you so much for doing, doing me the honour, gracing me the honour to be on the show today. And for all the listeners out there, where can they get hold of you? So um, whether it be social media, your website, so that they I can touch things with you. I think my, uh, my website's probably the easiest. Um, it's mm -hmm. restfulinsomnia.com. And mm. there's ways that you can contact me through there and find a little more about what I do. Okay, wonderful. Again, thank you so much, Sandra. I'm thank smiling you. because I, I loved this interview, really. Um, it opened my eyes, really, to a lot of things. And I will definitely be talking to you about them. But thank you again. And I wish you all the very best in your beautiful work. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to staying in touch and to connecting with, with people who have listened. So thanks again. Oh, okay then. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sandra Comblatt. What a fascinating, really, an interesting lady. So, so knowledgeable. And it really just goes to show that there is always help. We are never really alone as we belong to humanity so we only just have to reach out and ask for help. Fascinating subject. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I look forward in seeing you in the next episode. Take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovik.co.uk.